Child, the devil was busy. Can I tell you that this is one of my very favorite episodes? It's hilarious. I think that you're going to laugh. I think you're going to be inspired. And I know that when it's all said and done, that you will recognize that you are not alone. However, I must warn you that because it is probably one of the best of the three that we've done so far, I should have expected a little bit of resistance. And that came in the form of the audio not recording completely from the studio equipment. So I have used the Facebook Live audio about 27 minutes into the podcast. Don't worry, you'll still be able to hear me clearly. It's just not the quality that you're used to. Know that next week I will be focusing more intently on making sure that I am bringing you excellence each and every week. However, I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. Tweet me, Facebook me, let me know how you've enjoyed this week's episode. Love you. God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child. Hey, child. This is Sarah Jakes Roberts, and you are listening to Woman Evolve Podcast. And I am so excited about this week's episode. There are so many things that have been happening in news and culture and in my DMs that definitely need our attention. Okay, so... If you're just listening for the first time, it's important that you understand a little bit of the rundown. So I am being joined with my co-hosts from all around the world via Facebook Live. They will be chiming in with their opinions and takes on all of the week's happenings and occurrences. I've got people tuning in from Atlanta, from Birmingham, Alabama. I've got people tuning in from New Jersey. If you're watching on Facebook Live, show your girl some love. Lexington Park, Maryland is in the house. What it do? Okay, so just to give you a little bit of rundown, rundown about myself. Um, let's see. So it snowed here in Denver, Colorado, and it's absolutely gorgeous as I look outside of the window. We had a snow day yesterday. Over the weekend, I went to Dallas. It's important that you understand that we have a snow day and that I went to Dallas because you will understand that your girl has been out here not vegan. Y'all know how I've been low-key vegan the last few weeks? No longer. I am high-key seafood, as in eat everything that I've been seeing. So it was important that the snow go away and that I return back to Denver, Colorado, because, listen, ain't nobody got time to be out here eating chicken all of the time. But let me tell you, the Lord did bless. All while I was in Dallas, I went to Rudy's Chicken. What? It was amazing. I went to Papacito's. What? It was beautiful. Um, but I am back in the game. I worked out today. I went to Orange Theory. If you're watching on Facebook Live, I have on my Orange Theory wig today. Yes, I'm giving Orange Theory wig tees. This is the wig that I can sweat in and let it shake out a little bit and still look presentable when it's time for me to pick up the kids later. I am tuning in with my Facebook Live audience just so we know what's been going on with them. 
I hear people are tuning in from Baltimore and someone is listening for the first time. That's awesome. Tawanda Coles is making the Facebook audience for the first time. What's up, Tawanda? Okay, listen, so let's jump right into it. Rescue Eve. I am so excited to actually have a Rescue Eve. When I first had this idea about having a Rescue Eve, it was honestly birthed after I saw Drea being dragged in the shade room like last month or December. It was December sometime. She was being dragged for not signing her son's homework, which honestly I could understand. Even though I wouldn't have posted it on Twitter, I understood where she was coming from. And because I knew I was going to have a podcast, I thought how awesome would it be if I had a podcast where when people got dragged, that we just took a minute to see things from the other side. And so that kind of birthed the whole Rescue Eve segment. And I am pleased to admit that for the very first time, I actually have a Rescue Eve that um, I am willing to try and defend and stand by. This week, I have three of them. And we'll be getting insights from my Facebook audience as I bring up some of these news topics. My first ever Rescue Eve Okay, let me explain why it's my first ever Rescue Eve. Because the last few weeks, people have been doing things that I just could not stand by. H&M got dragged. How am I going to defend them? How? How? How am I going to help? How am I going to help them? I couldn't help them. I I tried Rachel Dolezal. I I submitted to the delegation of Rescue Eve uh, commentators. She was quickly and swiftly denied. So, So Rescue Eve hasn't been working out for me. But I do have one. I actually have three this week. My first one is my own daughter, Mackenzie. She needs rescuing. Can someone help her? Listen, let me explain to you. Mackenzie is eight years old, and she is a gift. When I first had my son, Malachi, he was so easy, so peaceful, so easygoing that I thought to myself, this whole theory about when you have children, they're double the trouble, that that didn't apply to me. God blessed me as a teen mother with Malachi. And so I thought that parents had had it wrong all over the world and that you don't get double whatever you've sown. And then came Mackenzie. Mackenzie just reminds me how I should just tell my parents thank you each and every day and each and every morning because she is fire and desire. She keeps me near the cross. And Mackenzie, let me tell you, Mackenzie is my rescue Eve this week because I thought for a moment that I was going to have to hurt her. She decided that she was going to take her braids out of her hair. For those of you who are not familiar with African-American hair, listen, when we get our hair done, it's done for the whole week. I know that in some cultures, y'all, you know, you can just wash your hair and then and it is washed and then you blow dry it and then you wash it again at nighttime. Mm-mm. That ain't so for us. When we wash our hair, it is done for the entire week. Okay, so when I sit down and I braid Mackenzie's hair, when I sit down and grab her hair into those braids, I am anticipating that they be there for seven to 10 days. How many days, saints? Seven to 10 days. Mackenzie brings her hallelujah, holy ghost self down the stairs last night and goes, hey, mom, and her hair is half down. The other side is braided. I didn't know what was going on with her. And I had to explain to her, I said, Mackenzie, listen, listen clearly, child. Do you have all of your ears on this here conversation? Mackenzie, you don't have any hair. 
And I know that's confusing because right now you got this little ponytail that you think you swinging back and forth. But let me tell you, that ponytail is lying to you. That is my hair. I wash it. I deep condition it. I do hot oil treatments on it. I put conditioning caps on it. I take it out of the conditioning caps. I put plaits in it. Come on, old school plaits, okay? I flat twist this hair. I put rollers in this hair. I tie this hair down at night. When your edges started thinning from braids, I took them braids out and I had tender love and care on them edges. You don't have any hair. I have hair. That hair on your head is mine. Amen? I want you to get that deep down into your spirit because I don't ever want you to take down some hair that I've done that is supposed to last for seven to 10 days. Y'all need to rescue Mackenzie. She needs you out here. She's out here struggling, okay? Yasmin Christian is tuning in on Facebook. She said, at least she didn't cut it. You right, you right. At least she didn't cut it, okay? Because had she done that, my God, today, I don't know if I would have been able to be your pastor or your first lady. We don't cut hair around here. We grow hair around here. She got inches. Okay, let me tell you, she hasn't always had inches. I I just had to learn how to take care of a daughter's hair through her. Okay, we've had some, some thin days. Okay, we've had some days where we cried. We had some big chop days, but she finally got inches. She finally got edges. I don't want you touching this hair. Usually I have her hair in box braids, but I took them out so that her edges could have a minute to just be moisturized, restored, and her hair could be deep conditioned because you can't just go from protective style to protective style all of the time. There are moments where you need to take care of your hair. And so right when I was about to just let her have it all together, I asked her, why in the world did you even touch your hair? This isn't like you totally. And she told me that this little girl at school told her that her hair would look nice if she flat ironed it. See, that's the problem. That's why we're going to rescue Mackenzie. Because right when I was getting ready to drag her, right when I had already tweeted about her, right when I had shared with my Instagram family about her poor decision-making when it came to her hair, she reminded me of the struggle of being a Black woman in America, that a little girl told her that her hair should be flat ironed in order for it to be beautiful. Now, I had to help her because she thought that she was going to go into the bathroom, take her braids down, put some water on it, and that was going to make it lay down. Honey, that will never make it lay down. Don't you ever put water on your hair and think that that's going to make it lay down. Girl, it's going to stand up for the Lord when you put water on it. It's going to stand up and give glory to the King of Kings when you put water on it. Don't you put no water on that hair, child. And so I had to explain to her once again, Two things. You don't have any hair. It's my hair. All of it belongs to me. Every follicle, just like the Lord knows every hair that he put in your head. I know every hair and that head is mine. Amen. Secondly, water is not going to make your hair lay down. Water is going to do the opposite of hair laying down. It's going to make it stand in the presence of the Lord. It's going to make it stand up for attention. And, and, And thirdly, you know what? Love yourself, boo. Okay, because not even our Caucasian, European, Latin, nobody can just put water on their hair and then it's just going to be instantly silky, smooth and straight. It takes blow drying. It takes flat ironing. And so, honey, I don't want you to think that you're not going to have to work to take care of your hair. All of us are going to have to work. We're going to have to learn how our hair operates and how it functions. And we're going to have to operate according to those plans, according to the plans of the Lord, honey, as it relates to our follicles. 
And so that uh, is my first rescue, Eve, is my own daughter. I'm going to tune into my Facebook audience to see if they are judging me harshly. Let's see. Looks like, yes, Vanessa, she put water on her hair. Water. It'll never work. Yes, Tammy Retailer, eight-year-old's talking about flat ironing hair. I know that's right. Crystal Jefferson said, I can't rescue her. I do my teenage daughter's hair. And when it's messed up on a week later, I have to solicit the prayer warriors. That's what I'm saying. First of all, let me tell okay, I'm going to move on. But let me tell you, the other issue that made her taking her hair down just horrendous to me is that she took it down at 7.57. Guess what time McKenzie goes to bed? She goes to bed at 8 p.m. I had half a mind, ladies and gentlemen, to make her keep her hair in the raggedy, wretched mess that it was all for the school year. But you know what the Lord said to me? He told me about that little girl making fun of her hair. And I thought to myself, I ain't going to give her nothing else to work with. And so I slicked it back with some Eagle Styler gel, which is not harsh. Come on. Anyways, I used that Eagle Styler gel and I put it in some more puffs. It wasn't exactly what it could be, but it wasn't what it was. It's a word. (laughs) It's a word. It wasn't what it could be, Uh, but it wasn't what it was. Amen. Listen, Ebony G said, this is a no judgment zone. I appreciate that. Hazel Ray said, at least it was water. You right. It's funny because <laughs> when I was fixing her hair this morning, it was all tangled because she she going to put some water on it and lay down. I don't I don't know. Child, pray for her. And then so it was tangling. So I'm gently detangling her hair this morning. And she goes, when I put water on it, does it make it tangle? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so here's the thing. You don't have any hair. All of your hair belongs to me. Water will never make it lay down. And lastly, love yourself, boo. Don't let nobody make you think that your hair is any less beautiful than anyone else's hair you see because that hair is yours. It's hair somebody else didn't have. Did I say the hair is hers? That's a lie. The hair is mine. It's hair somebody else didn't have. And it's beautiful just the way it is. My first rescue, Eve, my very own daughter. Come on, somebody. So I said, I sound like her mom. Yeah, I know that's right, child. Us mothers, we have to stick together over this hair. Because listen, we don't want to damage your hair by putting braids and too many braids on it or or putting chemical treatments on it. We don't want to damage your hair, but you're going to have to make this thing easy on us. That means don't touch it. When you get into that shower and you want to reenact a Disney movie where you just put your head back and start singing, hush that song up and put it in your spirit. We don't put no water on our hair. Praise the Lord. Rescue Eve. We are rescuing Mackenzie. The delegation has come together. Mackenzie has been rescued. Boom. Ain't God good? Okay, we have decided to rescue Mackenzie. Now, I'm sure some of you all knew when you saw this in your timeline and saw it on your Facebook that this was going to be on our rescue eve. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to sit back, relax, and put your thinking cap on because I'm going deeper. My second rescue eve, okay? My second rescue Eve came across my timeline. And, okay, let me just say, okay, all right, how I'm going to introduce this. Because I want to make sure we all friends when this is over. Okay, so here's the thing. Sierra posted a video from Pastor John Gray, who is an incredible friend of my husband and I's. And honestly, just such an incredible minister 
and he's changed and touched so many lives. And on the video, he's explaining that some people operate in what he called the spirit of a girlfriend. And because they operate in the spirit of a girlfriend, that it, it takes a long time for them to become wives. He did preface it, and y'all gonna have to go back and let Google be your friend or Instagram be your friend and find out exactly what he said. But he started it by saying, and on the other side. So I assume before the video started that he was also explaining different, different versions of things, okay? I ain't seen the whole video. And let me tell you, as somebody who posts, you know, 60-second videos on Instagram frequently, it can be difficult to understand the full context of 60 seconds. It is our hope when we post these videos, though, that the 60 seconds will speak to the person who needs it the most and that those who don't agree with it will just eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Your girl is country. Never forget it. Eat the chicken and spit out the bone. Who eats chicken and the bone? Actually, I've seen my father eat a chicken bone, but I've seen him spit it out. Anywho, as I was saying. So I think that Sierra had the best of intentions. And Kimberly Hawkins, who's watching on Facebook, told me that she saw the original sermon months ago and it was awesome. I totally believe it because that's what he does. He just takes messages and knocks them out of the park. It only took a few hours before people began to complain about Sierra's posting of the video because her caption, it wasn't very long. It was Google it, but basically she said, hashtag level up. I think the assumption was that she's saying to stop operating in the spirit of a girlfriend and instead level up and begin to operate in the spirit of a wife. To put in context, the video goes on to explain that when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, that a woman is already a wife when her husband finds her, and that ultimately when we are seeking to be in relationships that we should already have a wife mentality. I want to rescue Sierra and uh, rescue Adam. We're going to make that John Gray. I want to rescue him as well because I understand fully. First of all, Sierra used to be in a relationship with a young man named Future. Evidently, Future did not want a future with her because he did some things. I don't know their business. All I know is they ain't together no more. And then she went and got with Russell Wilson, who obviously knows the Lord, um, sends him mail regularly uh, stops by and has coffee with Jesus. He seems to really be in good with him. Okay, so here's the thing. When you go from being in a toxic, unhealthy relationship and you end up in a relationship with a man who understands your worth and your value, there is nothing that you want more than to help other women who are in toxic relationships to understand that you don't have to stay in that toxic relationship, that real love and real men, they still exist, that there are men who will not cheat on you. There are men who will honor you and value you. And so I understand when she posted the video because of my own experiences in a toxic relationship that she was posting the video to other women who were like her. Some of my most powerful posts have been where I write posts that I would have needed to hear when I was in my you know, insecurities or in my toxic relationship. And so I understood when she posted it that she wasn't necessarily trying to say that everyone needs to operate in the spirit of a wife or spirit of a girlfriend. I was thinking about this when I was making her my rescue Eve, and I would first like to break down my definition. Hear ye, hear ye, my definition, not Sierra's, not John Gray's, my definition of a spirit of a girlfriend versus a spirit of a wife. And I believe 
It's a word. So if you're listening, I want you to put your finger up in the air and see if you catch it. If you don't catch it, it's fine. But I believe somebody's going to catch this word. I think it's spirit of a girlfriend. Mm. And I've been a girlfriend, so there's no judgment here. Is when you say, you know what? I will do anything it takes to be with you. I'll hold you down. You don't have to have the car right now. You don't have to have the job right now. You may not even be the man who's taking care of his children right now. It's okay because I want to be with you exactly where you are in the lowest of the lows. I want to be good to you. I want to be a good girlfriend. I want to be support for you. I want to be the person you never had in your life. And so there's this um, mindset that when we are operating in the spirit of a girlfriend that I will do anything anything that you want. And I've been guilty of that because it's a word. I thought that I could love someone out of dysfunction. Oh, Lord, I just passed out. I'm back. Here's the thing. When you think that your love is powerful enough to love someone out of dysfunction, you end up with more poison than you had going into the relationship. And so there comes a point in our life when we are looking at these toxic relationships where we have to ask ourselves, did I sign up to be your partner or did I sign up to be your savior? Mm. I'm going to take a minute and let that settle. I wanted to marinate. Did I sign up to be your savior or did I sign up to be your partner? We have to understand that because when we decide that we want to be someone's savior, we're always going to fall short and we'll never have the level of reciprocity that we desire. Only our savior, God, Jesus, wrapped in God, wrapped in flesh through Jesus, is able to give and give and give unlimitedly because he has a, a source that will never run dry. We need reciprocity in relationships because our sources, the source of our strength, the source of our power, the source of our faith. If we don't stay connected to God, they can run dry. And that's why you have to have people in your life who connect you to the to the source again. I want to be your resource. That means that when you are feeling like you're not connected to the source, I want to be the person that reintroduces you back to the source of your strength. I want to remind you that you can do all things through Christ. I want to remind you that you have nothing to fear. I want to remind you that no weapon formed against you would prosper. And I need that to be confirmation in your spirit, not fresh news. I don't want it to be breaking news. I want you to have a relationship with, I'm preaching now. All right. I didn't mean to. I wanted to just rescue Eve, but I feel a word down in my spirit. I need that to resonate in your spirit. I, I don't necessarily want to be your pastor. I don't necessarily want to be your preacher. I want you to have a relationship with God that I can remind you where center is, where, where the foundation is. But I don't want to be the one dragging you into conviction or dragging you into, into doing things the right way. I need you to have a relationship with God where all I have to do is remind you in low moments that you've been high before and for you to be able to connect that with an experience you've had. The second thing I want to address, because it is something that I, I saw posted a lot as people were arguing about this Sierra and John Gray video. Here's the thing, child. There is a culture within a lot of communities and sometimes in a lot of ministries that bases a woman's sole desire and sole worth on whether or not she is married. When I got out of my toxic relationship, I was a divorced single mother 
And I had made a decision within myself that if I never got married again, if I was never in a relationship again, that I was going to be A-OK because I would rather be by myself than to be in a toxic relationship. I think a lot of reasons that women end up in toxic relationships is because there is such pressure within our communities from even when we're little girls to find Prince Charming and to be these perfect little wives. And so we end up taking little boys who are dressed in Prince Charming's clothing and thinking that we're going to be able to have a fairy tale. It don't work like that. First of all, Prince Charming doesn't exist. There are incredible men who can add value and worth and perspective to your life. And it can have moments where it feels like Prince Charming, but Prince Charming is too high of a role for anyone to feel 24-7. And so I think there are issues, one, with thinking that everyone's fairy tale ending ends up with a big white dress and walking down the aisle. I think the other thing is making uh, this idea that that men have to be Prince Charming because men are human too and they have their own insecurities and issues and dysfunctions. And so you have to really have realistic expectations about relationships. And I don't want to to get too far off track, but what I want to do say, it, what I do want to say is this. If you are listening and you are a single woman and you do not have a desire to be in a relationship, I want you to know, boo, you are just fine. Amen. Do you hear me? I know exactly what it's like to be in those shoes where you feel like, listen, like I don't really want to be in a relationship. I don't want to feel like if I'm not in a relation that I'm less than or that I am unworthy, even if I am a single mother. As a matter of fact, part of the reason why my husband and I were able to connect in the way that we do and continue to connect is because I wasn't in a position where I wanted to, where I needed to be valued by a man. It was quite the opposite. I was so whole and complete in my identity as who I was as a single mother that when he came into my life, he had to show me uh, well, he he didn't have to show me. He organically presented to me an alternative to a lifestyle that I was already completely fulfilled in that made me believe that I could be even more fulfilled, even more purpose-filled than I was before he entered into my life. What am I saying? I'm saying that there are some single women right now who are already wives, and in that— in, I mean that they are already wives because I think a wife has more standards than a girlfriend does. That when a woman becomes a wife, if you look at that Proverbs 31 woman, there are things about her. She's an entrepreneur. She takes care of her home. She's honored throughout her community. Uh, she's revered. There are women who are single and not in a relationship, but who have standards. And because they have those standards, they are single because they're not just going to sell themselves to anybody who looks their way. That doesn't mean that they are um, less than, that doesn't mean that they don't have value. It could mean that they just want to be left alone because let's face it, you know, sometimes they don't, they haven't met a lot of men who have made them believe that they should settle down and be with them. Now, let me talk to my Facebook audience because I've said a mouthful there and I want to know what they think about it. 
Tia Rockwell said, amen, being fulfilled with who you are first and then letting your husband add to you. That's why when my husband found me, he found a wife. It wasn't because I was trying to do whatever he wanted me to do. It was because I was completely whole and content within myself. And then he decided that's the kind of woman who I would like to add to to my life because I believe that she's going to be an asset. But it wasn't because I was like, oh, honey, see me, see me, see me. Oh, Rashonda Cotton has a great question, and I hope that you will tune in in my comments after you hear this podcast or even on Facebook if you're listening right now. Rashonda Cotton wants to know, is it tacky that I tell people I'm happily divorced? It catches a lot of people off guard. Child. When you happily divorce, what can we say about that? There are some relationships that are so toxic and so unhealthy that divorce brings so much sense of completeness and connection and purpose to who God has called us to be that you thank God that you had the strength and the courage to walk away from that relationship. I don't think it's tacky, but who am I? Let's see what they say on Facebook. I see Tamara Johnson saying that being complete and whole on your own is the most beautiful thing ever. That's so, so true. Um, let's see. Sandra favored McKinley says, I am a wife, but God just didn't introduce me to my husband, honey. And when he does, hopefully he's going to be incredible. But if he doesn't, you better function in your power. I think that a lot of, um, a lot of church culture, a lot of media culture, a lot of fairy tale, um, depictions make it seem like a woman's sole mission in life is to find a husband. And maybe that was true decades ago, but I tell you more and more, I see women starting their own businesses. I see women just tapping into their identities and recognizing their ability to influence culture and industries and church and religion in such a way that they are demanding, hello, Women's March, that they are a force to be reckoned with, that the world must stand and, and just pay attention to who a woman is independent of her relationship. Now, not to say that you don't need a man because I love my man and I appreciate him and I am better because he is in my life. But I know that part of the reason that we are connected and what has made our marriage so strong is that my husband did not bring with him my identity. I already had my identity when I met my husband, but he did do is enhance my identity. He helped me to love myself more. He helped me to understand the power that existed down on the inside of me. He enhanced what was already inside of me. And that's what every relationship will do. I'm going to move on in just a minute. But I just want you to know that relationships that you are in enhance what is inside of you. So if your insecurities are being enhanced, those insecurities existed before the relationship. That relationship isn't healthy because it magnifies those insecurities. And you need to take a minute, step back and figure out what are these insecurities that probably led me to be in this relationship and how can I become confident enough within myself that I am only in a relationship that enhances who God has taught me to be and not who fear has tricked me into believing I am. I'm finished. I'm dropping the mic while it's hot. Sometimes you drop the mic when it's cold and you lose them. I don't want to lose it. I'm going to take a few comments from my Facebook live audience, and then I'm going to move on to my next rescue Eve. Um, Let's see. Chatrice says, this is good for single women. Uh, let's see, Dave Amable says, how can the circle of life continues if marriages are not formed? The circle of life is continuing and marriages 
are continuing to be formed. But a woman's sole purpose of being on the earth is not necessarily to be someone's wife. It is to be who God has called her to be. And there are instances when God has not called certain women to be wives and they are completely confident and comfortable in that. And there are instances where God has not yet brought a man into a woman's life who is worthy of the type of woman that he has created her to be. Shirley Walton said, is it wrong to want to be a wife? I don't think it's wrong to want to be a wife at all. I think it's only wrong to want to be a wife when you feel like your whole identity, your whole self-worth and your whole value is contingent on whether or not someone marries you. Girl, you are whole within yourself. You are beautiful all by yourself, whether a man marries you or not. I think you've got to have that sense of confidence and that sense of trust and knowing within yourself before you move on into a relationship. I'm going to let this die because I feel like we could go on and on and on and on about just the, the single life and being married. I will say that somebody tried to tell me that um, when women get married, that they often use their marriages to beat up other women. And they tried to tax Sarah. Sarah's never been that woman, honey. I hope you're listening. I hope this is deep down in your spirit and that it marinates so rich and so full that you never ever make that comment again because Sarah has started off from the very beginning of the ministry, always making sure that women felt empowered to be themselves and that they never felt like their worth or value was in a man. I love my husband and I will honor him on my page every single day because he is a blessing I didn't even know to pray for and he has changed my life tremendously but I have never nor will I ever suggest that a woman needs a man in order to be complete so I hope you take that check to the bank and cash because the money is there, the funds have cleared, and we are moving on. All right, my next rescue Eve. Are we ready, saints? Prepare yourselves. Let those single and, and wife and, and all of those thoughts in that read. Let that read settle down into your spirit. And we're moving on to our next rescue Eve, which and last is Monique. Amen. Has anyone heard? about what has been happening with Sister Monique. Okay, we need everyone to come together. There's a delegation, we must come together. Can we rescue Sister Monique, okay? Uh, Sister Monique is a comedian who has been in the game for decades, literally decades. Uh, She's been on television with the Paw Office. And she's done, obviously, stand-up. She's been in the news. Uh, she was she won an Oscar for Precious. And, uh, of course, she's had some ups and downs that have been in the news. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is her wanting us to boycott Netflix because Netflix offered her $500,000. However, they gave Amy Schumer, who is a white comedian, uh, like 13 or $15 million, Google it, all right? Google will tell you everything that you need to know about that. And then they gave male comedians like Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle $20 million. And so she wants us to boycott Netflix because of pay inequality. And I am just wondering, can we rescue her? Uh, some of the saints want to rescue her from things that we are not discussing. I see you, Megan, but we're not. I understand what you're saying, but the saints aren't ready for us to have that conversation. We'll be here another hour, but praise the Lord anyhow. Uh, The saints say that she's reaching, all right? They say that she's reaching with us wanting to to boycott them over her $500,000 payday. 
Fallon says she needs to stop crying after she never gets her way and learn the art of negotiation. I tell you who, who uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, come on. And, she's in my Hail Mary. So you talking about the art of negotiation. When you know your worth, you don't mind negotiating until other people at the end of the table know your worth as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, Santana said we cannot rescue her. Uh, let's see. Gianna Bruce said we must be aware of the facts. Amy sold out Madison Square Gardens. She's worth whatever her manager negotiated. The Saints are not out here to rescue Sister Monique. Tanil said that's not our business. Come on, somebody. All right. Uh, I'm just, she made it. I, you know, she kind of offered our business when she asked us to boycott. So I was just suggesting that perhaps it could possibly be our business if we decided to invest. But I see Tamia said no investment there. Uh, oh, can I tell you I love LaFrenchie Bowman? She says, I'm watching Netflix right now. She said, honey, here's the thing. Pay inequality is a real thing, whether we agree or disagree with the method in which she used to negotiate her contract by leveraging her influence in order to hurtfully hurt the bottom line of Netflix. It, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily working because some people believe that you, you have to negotiate in other ways. But I do think that, um, you know, I can understand at least voicing a complaint publicly about an injustice that you feel that you have experienced. Um, doesn't sound like my delegation is going for me. Only didn't even know the Saints were paying for Netflix. Child, I paid for mine. And it always hits my account when I least expect it. I'd be like, child, what is this 999 coming out of my account? And child, it be Netflix. The Saints say she is not Chappelle. She needed plan. All right, praise the Lord. All right, I guess we're not rescuing you, but you know who we did rescue? We rescued Sierra and we rescued Mackenzie today. And we will just pray that the Lord continues to massage our hearts and Sister Monique's heart as we prayerfully consider making her uh, rescue Eve at another time in another place. Moving on. Hail Mary, saints. Hail Mary's when we take a moment to just acknowledge a woman who is doing big things in culture. And our Hail Mary is Tracy Ellis Ross, who did some salary negotiation because she wanted to make sure that she received her worth as a as an incredible actress on the hit show Blackish. For those of you who don't know, evidently it has come to light that she was not getting paid as much as her counterpart and co-star Anthony Anderson. I don't sign AW2s. I don't know how much money she's actually making. But what I will say is that she released a powerful statement that I just want to share with you all as it relates to the pay inequality that she is experiencing. Tracy Ellis Ross is such a daddy and she does do an incredible job on the show. So I felt like uh, it's coming to, coming to her, I don't want to say rescue. No, because we're not coming to her rescue, but at least shining the light on what she is experiencing was something that was cool and dope. I'm trying to find her statement on the Instagram, because that's where I find all my news. Do did, 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 did the Saints know that I don't watch CNN anymore? It's, it's too painful for me to watch CNN sometimes. So I just get my news off of Instagram. The Tracy Ellis Ross story is one that is not new to culture because there's been a lot of discussion lately about 
whether or not women are being paid fairly, not just in Hollywood. If you do your research, you'll see that women aren't being paid fairly in hardly any positions that, you know, whether they're executives or admins or project managers climbing the ladder, that it is very rare that a woman is paid the same as her male counterpart. And so Tracy Ellis Ross did open up some negotiation for her contract, which I think was really dope. And this is what she said. She says there's there has been a lot of conversation and speculation the last few days regarding my blackish salary. First of all, we in her wallet and that's got to be awkward. She says I wasn't a negotiation like many actors find themselves in during the fourth season of a successful show. I wanted to be compensated in a way that matches my contribution to a show that I love for many reasons, including the opportunity it allows me to reshape what it is to be a fully realized Black woman on TV. The words and thoughts that were in the original article that started this public conversation were not mine. There were never any threats. I wish I would have been called by the reporter to confirm that. Just in case the reporter is listening to Woman Involved, this is a read. It's classy. It's got great words in it. It's got great context. But this is a read she's reading you because you never called her to actually get her quote about it. Anywho, back to the statement. It continues. It says, having had my renegotiation become a public conversation was awkward. But I'm grateful for the outpouring of support. I'm truly thankful that important conversations are taking place about fighting for women's worth and equality and tightening the pay gap in every industry. Now, I just want to shout out a Hail Mary to Tracy Ellis Ross for that because she took it upon herself to address an issue that she didn't have to address. And she addressed it with class and dignity and hopefully taught everyone who was listening uh, or paying attention a very valuable lesson. So that is one of my Hail Marys. The second one for this week is a young lady who you may not have heard of, but her name is Rachel Morrison. Rachel Morrison is my Hail Mary because she is the first woman ever to be nominated for cinematography at the Academy Awards. This is the only category that has never had a woman nominated in it besides Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Part of the reason is because it's just a limited category. They use the same people in this field time after time again. But Rachel Morrison has been nominated for cinematography for the Netflix movie Mudbound, which I think that's the movie Mary J. Blige is doing. Is that right, Saints? I believe it. I need to, ooh, are we watching Netflix? I'm confused. I don't know. All right. But yeah, we want to shout out Rachel Morrison. And last but not least, Amara. Amara or Amara? Amara. I think it's Amara. Amara Lenegra. Did y'all see? I put that little Latin on it. Amara Lenegra is on Love and Hip Hop Miami. That is not the Hail Mary. Um, but Amara Lenegra is my Hail Mary because she is making it her mission to really champion the rights of dark-skinned Afro-Latina women. I think it's really dope. And it's something that I did not even exist within the Latina community. The, um, the colorism that exists for dark-skinned Afro-Latina women. So she's been very vocal about some of the some of the disparaging remarks that she has heard and some of the things that have been said to her as a dark-skinned woman. I think that there is a universal idea of what it means to be a Latina woman. And Amara is kind of really shaking those things up. And so I just wanted to give her a shout out. 
Uh, I have a Hale Joseph that is just an honorable mention and continues in the vein of petty that the Costco woman who we discussed last week has uh, operated and functioned in. And this is a man who wore all of his clothes on an airline to avoid baggage fees. I think we have to just give him. Can we just give him a round of applause? Because I have six children and when we travel for Christmas or when we travel to LA for spring break and they have to check all of those bags, but I have half the mind. I've said it twice this show, half the mind to tell them to put on all of their belongings so that uh, American United and whoever can keep them with $25. I think that Hale Joseph, can we give it to him? I'm going to tune into the Facebook live audience to see what they think because I think that we should at least consider letting can be held, Joseph. You may not agree with me on the other ones. Maybe you don't care about Rachel Morrison. Maybe you don't care about Tracy's salary. Maybe just quite possibly you don't care about Amara and colorism. But can we at least let this man, this brilliant man who wore all of his clothing onto the airline, can we at least give a round of applause for him? I tell you what, even though the airline ended up kicking him off, that's all right. The enemy will always try and come up against you. I tell you what, TSA let him ride on through. And for that, I'm taking back every word I've ever said about TSA because they must have let him through security wearing all of those clothes, wearing all of those clothes. Hail Joseph. Come on, somebody. Let's see. Chanel Johnson said, yes, save those coins. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Takesha Morris understands what I'm saying. Bundle up, babies, because mama is not paying these extra bag fees. It's a word. Listen, flying is expensive. I hate to sound like old, you know, like I'm old and stuff. But I remember when there wasn't no TSA. I remember when there wasn't any baggage fees. I remember, child, and, and things have changed. That's all I'm going to say. Things have changed. Uh, but we thank God for our airplanes and how they get us places quickly. I'm just saying, hail Joseph for my guy. So that concludes our Rescue Eve and Hail Mary segment of the show. I hope you enjoyed my take on this week's news and culture. The show is almost coming to an end, but it cannot end until we have our mentorship moment. And lastly, our snack. I've got three uh, questions that hopefully we'll have time to get to. The first question just really pulled at my heartstrings. So for our mentorship moment, we're going to slide into the DMs, into the 99 plus of my Instagram and see what's going on there. I have a DM that goes a little something like this. It says, hi, Sarah. I'm a pastor's wife with a full-time job. I work retail, which means some Sundays immediately following our 9 a.m. service. Recently, I've been pulled in so many directions that I'm not sure how to navigate my way. My husband wants me to start speaking at our church once a quarter. He says, I'm the church admin. I plan all events, concerts, etc. And I'm currently mentoring three women who are going through marriage difficulties, one of which is not a member of our congregation. And my girl just said, help. I tell you, I get a question quite often when people ask me, how do you balance it all? And I will tell you that part of the reason why I am able to balance it all is because one, I don't do it all at the same time. And secondly, I only do what I'm called to do. I think balancing it all can become overwhelming and stressful when you're doing exactly what you're called to do, but it can become even more burdensome and heavy 
when we're living lives that are inauthentic to who God has called us to be. When we become people pleasers and we just want to be there for everyone and to make everyone happy, we can often find ourselves stretched too thin. So for my girl who slid into my DMs wondering how can she balance all of these responsibilities, I will tell you, don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to take a step back and say, this is what I'm capable of doing. This is what I feel called to do. This is the thing that I do that makes me feel most aligned with God. It makes me feel most aligned with his vision for the earth and my role in it. Is that um, partnering with your husband and, and helping him to build the church as the church administrator and also speaking there quarterly? Is it in your function, in your job, whatever your role may be in retail? Is it when you're counseling these women or all of or are all of these responsibilities that you kind of picked up along the way and now you're looking at your plate and realizing that it's so full of things that you weren't really sure that you could handle uh, considering all of the other things that would be added. So I say, girl, don't be afraid to say no. Even the things that we are called to do can become heavy on us. But when we take a minute and step back and breathe and relax and reprioritize, we find a way to do those things and don't be afraid to let go. That's the word. That's the word right there. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to let go. If somebody leaves because you said no, then they were going to leave eventually anyway. But those who love you and those who understand your world and dynamic can understand that there will be moments when you won't be able to do everything and they have grace and, and compassion for that. My next question. But, well, wait, let me see what my Facebook audience is saying to my girl. Robin said, the gift of no is a beautiful one. It is a powerful word, honey. It has saved many lives and many of nerves. Sometimes you be down on your last nerve and right before you about to give it away, you say no and you realize that you can keep that nerve and possibly gain another one to live until tomorrow. Don't be afraid to say no and don't be afraid to let go. It sounds like what Chelsea has really found that that is a word for her life. Come on, somebody. Yasmin says, I have grown my gift of no, thank you, ma'am. That's right. You have to grow in the gift of no. It doesn't come naturally, but there are moments where you have to have the courage to say no in order to protect your mental health, to protect your emotions, and to stay functioning at the best capacity for your marriage and, and for your family, but most importantly, for God and for yourself. Don't be afraid to say no. Liz Russell said, flex that no muscle, honey. Yes. Get your game up. When your no makes you feel guilty, that is, a, is that a right no? I think there are a lot of times when no makes us feel guilty because we feel like we're letting someone down. But I think that when you tell no to people who want to who are called to your life to protect you and to, and to honor your emotions and the investment of your time that they can take a note, even if that note disappoints them a bit, your worth, your value, your peace of mind is more important to them than the note that they receive. So you know what? No is for mature people. Saying it and receiving it. Now that's another word. All right. So I have one more mentorship moment. And this question says, so I have been enjoying your podcast. I'm sliding in your DM to be mentored. I grew up the only child and looking back, didn't create real solid friendships and relationships as a child through teenager. 
The only example I had of female to female relationship was through my mom. And she would gossip to me about her friends and tell me their business as a child. Now, as an adult, I have picked up the habit and has caused some serious strain on some meaningful relationships. I need help, sis. I feel like everybody talk and gossip and give their opinion. Then I just feel like what I say is magnified. And through my mom and hold on a second. All right. I just feel like what I say is magnified and viewed differently. Like I'm really having a hard time with this and I'm beating myself up because I don't want to be the girl that people are not comfortable around. Tell your people don't be too hard on me. Did y'all hear that? Facebook Live and podcast audience. Don't be too hard on my girl. First of all, I want to commend you for taking a moment and opening up. It takes such courage to admit that you have an issue, whether it's gossiping or addiction or insecurity or whatever. So we're going to go on and give her a round of applause for that. The second thing I want to say is that if you know that you have a problem with gossiping, if you know that you have become an unsafe zone for relationships that mean a lot for you, I think that you have to really take a minute and start thinking before you speak aggressively, aggressively thinking before you speaking. Are the words coming out of my mouth going to edify someone? Is it going to, is it going to produce health and wellness in their relationship? Or is it going to create more insecurity, more fear? Am I continuing to function in the role of someone who is um, a mouthpiece to what is going on in the private lives of others. If you know you have an issue with gossiping, you may even have to remove yourself from friendship circles where that's kind of the culture of the friendship is that you bond over gossiping with other people. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do to bond with people over other people's misery or the bond with people over other people's secrets. But the reality is, is that when we do that, it makes us distrustful of other people. See, it's not just that it's causing serious strain on relationships because, you know, you may have become an untrustworthy person to share, you know, business or relationships or issues with, but it also changes the way you see everyone. Not everyone gossips. There are some people who you can tell things to and it goes to no one else but them. That is available to you, but you will never believe, you will never believe that that exists if you do not become it. It's a word. That's why I pause. As long as you don't believe that it exists, you will never rise to the level of making sure that you become one of those people. And so I want to rob you one of the excuse and maybe even the comfort that everyone gossips because not everyone gossips. There are people who are like vaults. You tell it to them and no one else is going to hear it again. And you want to be one of those people. I ain't going to watch out. Gossiping, it it can be fun to, to know what's going on in people's life. I'm not judging you. I understand exactly what you're talking about. But I do want to caution you to take a moment and to really be the kind of person who you would want to confide in. I think the most transformation that I experienced in my life was when I decided that I didn't just want to be someone who spoke something and didn't live by it, but I wanted to be the kind of person who who I could believe in, who I could trust in, who I had faith in. And so it took the Holy Spirit, it's a relationship with God for me to have self-control, come on spirit, to have self-control, to have patience, to have wisdom, 
And I think that I have seen my life really transform in a way that is incredible and beautiful to me. I want to get some more from my Facebook audience. They're saying to chime, to ask God to deliver you from it. That's so true. Uh, accountability within a safe zone is another step that you can take. There are people who are saying it exists, that you can have relationships that aren't filled with gossip. I will tell you, when you stop gossiping, you'll also see who your real friends are because some relationships you have right now are probably only existing because you gossip over one another, which means you don't even have authentic relationships in your life. But when you shift that dynamic and say, you know what? I don't want to talk about someone else's issues. I don't want to talk about someone's struggles. Instead, I want to have a moment where we talk about what's going on in our future plans, what's going on with our children. I don't I don't want to be TNC. I want to be someone who who sets a standard amongst their friends and in the lives of the women who we inspire and influence. And I'm going to do that by being trustworthy, by having integrity, by being honest and showing the love of God and the compassion of God in all that I do. Let's see what else everyone is saying. I see my Facebook audience chiming in. Lori Brewster said, get out of that ship. Let's see. Janine says she won't utilize those thoughts. Awareness is awesome. Yeah, man, awareness is half the battle. Come on, somebody. When you are aware of an issue you have, you are halfway to overcoming it. The problem lies when we have issues that we aren't aware of. So yeah, set some encouragement. You know, I wouldn't be afraid to tell the people in my circles to say, you know what? I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't think that we should talk about what's going on in our life. I think that we should all go to our own secret prayer closets and offer whatever's going on with them to the Lord and move on and talk about what we're going to have for lunch or what's going on in the news or or how we're going to become better people, how we're going to be dreamers, how we're going to start that business, how we're going to be better wives, mothers, sisters, friends, whatever. How can we become better? And let's stop talking about other people. You may be able to set a culture that changes not just your life and your community, but the communities of other people as well. So that's the two mentorship moments I had for today. I think there's just one more. This is more of an advice question, not necessarily a mentor question. And so I want to run this by my Facebook Live audience. It says, hi, Sarah. I wanted to say how much I might you, hey, girl. I sit and listen to you while taking notes nonstop. Thank you for being that inspiration to me. I did want to ask for some guidance. I'm 32, was in a six-year relationship. It ended because we simply fell out of love. It has now been a year since we separated and I'm ready to move on. Or so I think. Sometimes I still believe we may get back together. If that's a possibility, what if some of the men I meet aren't completely over their ex? How do I let my guard down from overthinking or assuming every time I meet a new person in my class? Well, I think that if you're still hoping or believing that there's a possibility that you and your ex could could get back together, that you haven't had closure within yourself in order to move on and make you an asset to someone else's life. I understand that when you walk away from a relationship, that you're not just walking away from a person, although that can be painful within itself, but you're also walking away from time and investment and energy and memories that you have spent cultivating something. Having said that, 
when you are ready to move on, you have to be in a space where you realize that you have lost nothing, that that chapter of your life has come to an end and where you are so whole within yourself that that you're not even sure that you would want to revisit that relationship if it became a possibility again. What it sounds like to me is that you're still open and because you are still open and vulnerable to that person, it would be unfair for you to move on and be in a relationship with someone else. So I would say, girl, take a minute and heal. Everyone has this idea that, that time heals everything, but I think it was the good old Dr. Phil or Sister Oprah or somebody who said that it's not time that heals all wounds, it's what you do with the time. Understanding why you were in a relationship for six years what the attraction was, what the distractions were, and why that relationship had to come to an end will help you to have closure. I want to say that closure is not a moment between two people. Closure is reconciliation within oneself about an experience that you've had. That means that I don't need you to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I just need you to grant me closure. Because as long as you need someone to grant you closure, your destiny and your future will always be in the hand of someone else. Instead, I encourage you to become intimate within yourself, to begin to have a relationship within yourself that says, how did I end up in a relationship with six years? What did I like about that relationship? How did I become better? Perhaps how did I become worse or more insecure? And to really understand not just who you were when the relationship began, but who you can become as a result of the ending. And I wouldn't even be thinking about dating again. I wouldn't say, you know what, I need closure so that I can eventually date again. No, I need closure so that I can understand who I am. I need closure so that I can understand my patterns. I need closure so that I can be confident that I'll never end up in a situation like this again. I need closure because I want to love myself. I want to love every part of me and I want to know every part of me. And I think that when you're in the process of doing that, that the need to be in a relationship will lessen tremendously because you will be so engaged and fully enthralled with the idea of who you are. Those were my three questions for this week. That means our show is coming to an end. Do you hear the tear falling from my face? Before I move on, let's just see what they're saying on Facebook about my girl needing to know whether or not it's time for her to move on. It seems like We've got some resounding yeses about closure. Uh, Closure comes from forgiving. I see other people saying she was pushed, she will be okay. Closure is is inside of you. I see some of my friends saying sometimes we have to close some door to open a next one. That's right. You can't emotionally have one door open and then ask God to open up another door. I think that you first have to be willing to close the door to have an ending before you ask God to open up another idea. Closure and healing from whatever is good for the body. Yes, it is. It brings reconciliation and understanding. I encourage you to watch my father's message uh, from the Potter's House Dallas about insight because what you need for that relationship is an insight and understanding. Even my husband, my husband and my father's messages often align pretty heavily. So my husband's message, hey, shout out, shameless plug. Uh, the Correct Mirror, or Mirrors rather, uh, The Correct Mirror is a chapter in Wholeness. I encourage you all to download it. That's Tori Roberts on Amazon. But the Mirrors from the Potter's House at 1 LA. And my father preached a message about insight at the Potter's House Dallas. So yes, honey, 
get you some closure, get you some understanding and be the kind of person who can be in a relationship because you have forsaken all others. Amen. Latricia Evans says closure is inside of her. That's totally, totally true. Okay, child, we coming to an end. I got a snack for you. If you listen before, you know that your girl knows how to take a text and give you a good 39 to 45 minutes of a word from the Lord. I don't have that on the podcast. I have what we call snacks. I've got a snack for you. And then we're going to close in prayer. So here is my snack for you if you're listening. The other day, literally yesterday, I was in the shower and I roasted chicken for my family. And as I was pulling the chicken out of the oven, I burned my finger. And as I was taking my shower, I uh, let water run over the burn and it really, really hurt. It hurt so much that I decided that I wasn't going to allow that hand to get wet, that I was just going to do what I needed to do with one hand and I was going to keep that hand out of the water. And the moment I started doing that, I realized that it was more difficult for me to shower and to go about my normal routine because I was avoiding that area of pain. And that's when the girl got away. And that is your snack for today. A lot of times when we go through issues, they can be so painful and so hurtful that we learn to live in such a way that we avoid the pain. We think to ourselves, if we avoid the pain, then we won't feel it any longer. And because we don't feel it any longer, we'll be able to function. Of course, we aren't functioning to the best of our ability. Like I wasn't functioning to the best of my ability when I was taking my shower. But hey, something is better than nothing. And at least we don't feel the hurt anymore. At least we don't feel the hurt of the breakup when we pretend that we're okay. At least we don't feel the hurt of the abandonment issues when we feel like we're functioning fine. At least we don't feel the hurt of the job loss or the vision loss or the, or the loss of purpose because we're pretending in functioning in such a way that it doesn't hurt. But as I was showering, I realized that in order for me to really move forward, in order for me to really bring the best of me into that moment, that I was going to have to risk letting the water hit the wound. And when I let the water hit the wound, at first it was really, really painful. But then the more the water ran and the more that it hit the wound, I kind of adjusted It didn't mean that it didn't hurt because it did hurt. It's just that the hurt didn't weigh more than the goal that existed in that moment. And before I knew it, it only hurt a little bit. And then before the shower was over, it barely hurt at all. So what am I saying? I'm saying that I want you to sit in the pain. I want you to uncover the wound. And I want you to sit in the fact that you've been depressed I want you to sit in the fact that you've been discouraged. I want you to sit in the fact that you've been disappointed. Why do I want you to sit in it? Because you cannot overcome it unless you first size that mountain up. You got to size up exactly what's hurting, exactly what's bleeding, exactly what's bruised. You got to size up exactly what changed you. Because you know what? You may still be going to work. You may still be cooking dinner. You may still be working out. You may still be functioning as if nothing happened. But you and I know. If you're listening to this, and if this is resonating down on the inside of you, that that pain is still there, that that pain hasn't gone away. And so it is my prayer that you first sit in it, that you first allow it to really be real and authentic to who you are. And then I want to talk about overcoming it. I want to talk about how we start having difficult conversations, how we start applying for school again, how we create the business plan, how we have 
exposure, how we take a moment to forgive so that we only have to sit in that pain once. Because the difference between emotional and physical pain is that I could have let the water avoid hitting that burn and eventually it would have gone away. But with emotional pain, when you avoid it, it doesn't just go away. It shows up in other areas of your life. It shows up in resentfulness. It shows up in bitterness. It shows up in how we love and how we receive love. So you, my friend, no matter where you're listening from, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or listening on the podcast, I want to challenge you to take a moment and really say, I'm not okay. And because you will take that moment and say, I'm not okay, you will become okay. And you will be actually confident and you will be authentic and genuine and more secure because you will recognize that you did not allow pain to dictate how you function. Instead, you demanded that pain surrender to the reality that you will survive. And I know this because I've had to survive and I've had to address the pain. So uh, don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to ask for counseling, to ask for prayer or to even just journal and begin to talk about the experiences that burn, but to allow God to give you a new layer of who you are and a new definition of who you can become as a result of what you've experienced. So I love you guys, and I love this podcast. I love what it represents, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Before we close out, I just want to take a moment and pray. God, I thank you for every ear drawn to this podcast and for every step that they have taken that led them to this moment. I pray that as their week is coming to an end or just beginning or right smack tab in the middle, that they will feel the grace, peace, and comfort in knowing that they aren't alone. Whether it was through Rescue Eve, Hail Mary, or even our mentorship moments, it is my prayer that they saw a piece of themselves in today's show that made them more comfortable with who you created them to be. Give them passion, help them fulfill their purpose, give them peace, wisdom, discernment, and understanding, that they may be whole and lacking nothing, whether they're married or single, whether they have children or don't, whether they feel like they've successfully fulfilled their career or they're just getting started. Let us be okay with who we are in every stage and every age of life. Amen. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to take it from audio to real life, I want to invite you to join me in Denver, Colorado, July 13th through 14th for the Woman Evolve Conference. I've gathered together some of my closest friends for a time of sisterhood, transformation, spiritual development, and practical empowerment as you continue to evolve into the best version of yourself. Visit womanevolve.com and learn how we can make this thing official today.